promise God promised me Take back what the devil stole from me I'm reaping the harvest God promised me Take back what the devil stole from me And I rejoice today And I rejoice worship him here a minute, lifting our hearts with our hands. And I praise you, Jesus Christ. And I worship you, my God of gods and King of kings. Thou art holy and mighty and great and divine. And I thank you, dear God. I thank you, dear God. Beautiful name that's above every name. Great and mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, my Lord. I thank you for the truth of the scriptures. I thank you, my holy God. You're the King and the Savior. You're so good to your children. Thank you, dear Lord. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'm turning to the book of Acts, just about in the middle, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, I'm going to read one verse, and that's going to be verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. I'd like to minister this morning on the necessary burden. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. There are four accounts of the one gospel. Matthew's account, chapter 11 and verse 30, and I'll back up for just a moment because it's all good, of course. But Jesus did say, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. He said, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden, the necessary burden of Jesus Christ is light. There are people that would like to misrepresent that. They'd like to say that you don't need to do all that and that that is not necessary. In the third chapter of John's account of the gospel, the one gospel, the everlasting gospel, John records that an individual came to Jesus, and he came by night. And in coming to him, he began to ask him some questions. And Jesus answered him straightly, and told him that you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. This individual 
thinking as we often do, thinking very naturally on a natural line of reasoning and thinking, equating everything with this earth, this world. And he said, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Jesus again answered him in a true fashion and said, you must be born again off water and off the Spirit or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus was telling him what was necessary. He didn't make his answer fat with words. He brought it right down to the point. He didn't want there to be a lot of excess there. He did not want to belabor his point. He just came right to the point. Putting them together, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit or you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Necessary. Necessary. It's a must. One place used the terminology must needs. It is a must and necessary thing. It is not an arbitrary thing. It is not a negotiable thing. It is not something that you are to try to go over or under or around some way. It is not something that you should add words to or take words from. Neither is it for any private interpretation. Natural minds would tell you that uh, being born again of water means that when a woman breaks water in going to have a child, that that's what that is. Now, I never read anything in the Scripture that would lend any support to that kind of thinking or explanation. No wonder the Bible forbids any private interpretation because man has certainly come up with some winners, or should I say losers, really come up with some odd, off-the-wall ways, all in an attempt to explain away what is necessary. Jesus Christ was not trying to make things difficult. The Scripture follows through in subject matter and tells us that, teaches us that to be born again of water means to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and that the purpose of it, the reason that is necessary is because it's for the full pardon of your sins. Pardon me for re-mentioning a fact of life, but we got a lot of babies fixing to be born around here, natural babies, through a natural process. And I don't think any of these women are going to tell you when it's time to break water that, whoo, I feel like I just had a spiritual experience with Jesus. Suppose we just get down to what's necessary. Suppose we just get with the book. Suppose we start believing what he's saying. And when he says it, then he means it. There is a necessary burden here. We 
we're not going to put on you anything greater than what the Scriptures demand of us. We don't want to add anything. I don't want to make that easy burden heavy. Jesus did speak about people that they shouldn't be ashamed of him. They shouldn't be ashamed of his burden. There are things that are attached to the salvation and the stain saved. There are things attached to it scripturally. There is that which he stands for. There is that which he sent and gave to his church, the body of believers, that is a necessary burden. It's that which you carry. No wonder he said to take up your cross and take it up daily. Take it up every day and bear it through the city. It's a necessary burden. You're not going to just skip through this in some little lighthearted, carnal way, some little fashionable fashion of the world. No, there is an identification here. You're not going to water it down to sign a card or to shake a hand or to use phrases that are not represented in the Scripture. Let's just cut to the chase. Let's just go to chapter and verse. Let's just do what it says to do. sat at lunch one day with uh, Brother Weekly, it's been a while ago, and his boss was there, the owner of the company, and uh, the owner of the company was also saved. Um, and uh, I remember him talking very arrogantly, and I was trying very hard to hold my peace for Brother Weekly's job's sake. And, uh, of course, Brother Wicked told me later, he said, no, you should have just let it rip. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do try to use wisdom here. Uh, we're not, you know, always living in the bare-knuckle days. Sometimes we put the big puffy gloves on and try not to be too tough with you. We do try to use wisdom. We do try to remember that people are spiritually blind. They've been blinded by the small g, lowercase, God of this world, Satan. That that's what he does. He blinds minds. So that lest at any time they should see this glory, this gospel, this truth that shines through the church to each and every man, woman, boy, and girl. The enemy wants to blind you to that truth that shines in the face of Jesus Christ. He doesn't care. Some people wanted to be blinded. They wanted to be separated from the glory. It was illustrated in Moses coming down from the presence of the Lord. And, and he stood before them, and his face did shine in such a manner. And it was a representation of what you and I have access to today. That they were foretold about it. There was a foreshowing and a foreshadowing. There was previews. There was plans, if you please, that were put right out there. And they told Moses, put something 
something over your face. We can't stand to look at it. It's too bright. It's too glorious. It's too straight. It's too real. Oh, man, that makes me feel bad. I feel convicted. One man got so convicted that he jumped off a boat into the water. He was so ashamed and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful person. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to condemn you as a sinner. He came to save you. You'll get convicted by your own conscience. And that's something you want to embrace. Because there are some people that cannot feel wrong when they think it, say it, or do it. They're past feeling. You want to be sensitive. If you feel that feeling that convicts you, you should embrace that. You should pull that close to you and realize that that's a good thing. That, that, that God is trying to tell me that I'm living under a heavy burden. That burden of sin is heavy. The burden of sin is a tremendous weight. It is a hard way to go. But Jesus comes along, the eternal God who is a spirit invisible and manifests himself visibly in the flesh. The flesh is referred to as the son of the spirit and he walks among mankind and he raises his voice and speaks and tells them, come on, you come unto me and learn of me. He said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. He said, I'm not going to show you a stubbornness. I'm not going to show you a hatred. I'm not going to look down my nose at you in a condescending manner. I'm going to down to you. I'm going to get down on your level. I'm going to tell you that I love you and I want to help you and I want to take that heavy, unnecessary burden off of your back and your life and I want to replace it with an easy yoke and a light burden. Sir, what happened was that uh, they got together because there were some people that were trying to say that you had to do certain things to be saved. And people have come up with all kinds of different ideas, and of course they're not represented in the Scripture. If we could focus our minds instead of believing what's outside the Scripture and focus our minds and start believing what's inside the Scripture, what the Scripture is saying, because Jesus did say, that we were to believe on him as the Scripture hath said. So if we could just kind of quit being gullible and not only being deceived by spirits and others out there, but being deceived by our own selves, our own human nature and human spirit, that self-will, that pride, that, that disobedience that wants to do what it wants to do whenever it wants to do it, They came together because people were being positively affected by the Spirit of the Lord, the Word of the Lord. They were reaching people, all different kinds of people, not just one group, but all different kinds of people. And the church in reaching out and reaching these people, there were those that began to be used by their human spirit and they begin to say, oh, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do the other thing. You see, the problem is that the enemy doesn't care how he deceives you, how he trips you up, or how he messes you up. 
He doesn't care if he has to go extreme left, and he doesn't care if he has to take you to be an extreme rightist. He just doesn't want you in the middle. He don't want you on the straight and narrow. He doesn't want you on the highway of holiness with the everlasting songs and joy that will be upon your head. He doesn't want you staying in the middle and showing your moderation, your balance. He doesn't want that. He wants you to go extreme one way or extreme the other. Either you don't believe anything, anything, and you know, if you believe anything, you'll fall for anything. So anything in general will do. Or we want to complicate it and add all kinds of things that aren't represented in the Scripture. Man-made ideas, man-made things. People get their own convictions, own personal ideas, and start preaching them as doctrine. That is incorrect. Let us just satisfy the chapter and the verse. Let us believe on Him as the Scripture has said. That's not overly simple, and that's not complex. It's just right there in the middle where it belongs. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So they were reaching people. Lots of different people. People were responding. You know, there are those that say, oh, if you preach that you have to be born again of water and spirit, and that water is being baptized in Jesus' name, and spirit is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, people aren't, they're not going to, you don't want to talk to them like that. You want to talk to them about like the boss. Oh, we, we, talk, we call it leading people to the Lord. Leading them to where they can take Christ as their personal Savior. And I said, well, I, that was it. I just, no more restraint now. You know, the, the, the chains, the muzzle, it all came off at one shot. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, well, sir, I said, we prefer to do it the Bible way. And the chapter and verse says that you have to be born again of water and of the Spirit. That means you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's amazing how people how a wall comes up and a shield comes down and the defenses and you're suddenly looking at Bruce Lee. Wow! You know, all the defenses are up. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, there's no need to become defensive about chapter and verse. All that is is that's your old human spirit and that's your fleshly nature that does not want to give it up. That you're really hiding here behind some kind of little two-cent religion because you want to keep on doing what you're doing. Let me tell you something. There is a necessary burden. There are some things you must do. And there's no getting around it. If you read in the paper about the businessman in Boca Raton that he, uh, I guess he literally was found out to be just what Boca Raton means, big rat. I guess he, isn't that funny? People be so hoity-toity and, and think they're so all that, and they live in a town known as big rat. Wow. Boy, it's ironic how God can humble you down. <laughs> so anyway, he's the largest uh, landowner. And, uh, you know, the he, he, uh, problem was he cheated on his taxes. And $253,000 that he didn't pay the government over the years. And so they caught up with him. They caught up with him. See, your sin won't only get found out, but it'll catch up with you. It'll find you out. And it, it just came roaring right back at him. And so they, uh, they, 
he stood before the judge and the lady judge and he said uh he said you know i'm i'm really sorry for what i did and I'm, that we're here and then i have to even be here and he said i give a lot of money away to a lot of people and i do a lot of things i have a program that helps children and you know help people get to college and different things and you know and he had people come in and told all these good things about him and the judge said he said well then i'm astounded that you could be so foolish i mean you he was reputedly worth multiplied millions of dollars like you know a hundred million dollars or something ridiculous like that and he cheated the government out of two hundred fifty three thousand dollars one quarter of one of those hundred million and the judge was just astounded she said that he he would be so ridiculously stupid to do something like that and she said i, I in other words i have no choice but to to sentence you and she gave him eight months in jail oh the public didn't like it they all hissed they didn't like it you know oh people don't like when people get their hand caught in the cookie jar and the people who's got the hand in the cookie jar they're not sorry they're just sorry they got caught <clears throat> you know Jesus didn't come to catch you at anything except to catch you from falling he doesn't want you to to fall he doesn't want you to be under the heavy burden of sin that is crushing you like some enormous weight. He wants to, to save you from your own folly, your own stupidity. You know? Uh, what, how does the Spanish say that? Balbosa? Isn't that another way of saying stupid, you know? I mean, wow. You know, you don't want that. Here we have this great opportunity. We have the salvation. Jesus is saying, my burden's easy. Now, you can argue that with me. He said, but I'm telling you, my burden is easy when you compare it to the burden of sin. The businessman found out, you must pay your taxes. I believe the queen of mean found that out. You ever read that in the newspapers? The queen of mean, Leona Helmsley, her wealth was gigantic in New York City but she didn't pay any taxes she said only the little people pay taxes and the judge said and you're going to jail hope you like your new hotel room queen of hotels because she she learned a lot being in prison she left like 20 million dollars to her dog she learned a lot really repented, really sobered up, really learned some lesson there. I've known of people that got, got in jail, and they didn't get jailhouse religion because when they went in, they were disobedient to salvation. And having served their time, they made their pledge to God, and they said, when I get out of here, I'm going to live for you because this is a whole lot heavier burden than the one that you wanted me to carry, and I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do the necessary burden. I had to go and have my own way, and now look what I'm living under. Let me tell you, you want what Jesus Christ is offering. And they were reaching people. They were preaching the message. They were bringing the only thing that will save people. They were bringing the plan that the Spirit intended and brought from Genesis to Revelation, shadows and types, previews, patterns and 
Oh, building plans that he showed in advance and said, now I'm bringing the real thing. I, invisible, am coming in the flesh. I'm going to walk among you. I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to bring salvation to you. Come unto me, he said. Learn of me. Let me teach you how to repent. Let me teach you how to be baptized correctly in the name of Jesus Christ. And let me fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me teach you how to believe. And what to believe. And they were reaching people. Sure, some people turned away. Of course they did. You read about Jesus in his earthly ministry, people left him. Judas betrayed him. You know, we can ask, where, where is the 70? Where is the 380 plus? They walked away from, the, from God incarnate. God come in the flesh, spirit robed in flesh. They walked away from him. Judas betrayed him. Judas, who was empowered to raise the dead and to heal the sick and, and, and trusted with finance, Judas betrayed. Judas Iscariot, we should say that because there were other Judases that were not traitors. But Judas Iscariot betrayed him for money. Couldn't get delivered for money. Everything was money. Money, that's what I want. You know, that's how some people live. But they came together as the body of Christ. And they said, we're reaching people. This, this is the message. We're telling people to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and to receive the gift of the Holy. We're praying for them, and that's happening. And say, you know, we, we are uh, reaching people, and we've got this element here that is saying that they have to do this, and they have to do that, and they have to do the other. And they're trying to drag us back and go backwards here. And the apostles, Peter first spoke, and he said, no, no, that's, that's not the way it is. We're, we just want to satisfy the scriptures here. We don't want to put upon anybody any greater burden than that which is necessary. It's the necessary burden that you, you want to satisfy here, that you want to have that minimum necessary burden. You don't want to fall short of that biblical standard. You don't want to fall short of any biblical standard. But you might want to make sure that it's biblical. You might want to put your finger on some chapter and verse. You might want to find the balance. We're not asking anybody to do anything that the Scripture doesn't teach. We're asking you to do what it says, and it all starts with you believing and repenting, with you believing and being baptized in Jesus' name, with you believing and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Romans to Revelation will then be taught to you as a student, as a Christ-like follower, will teach you the rest of those necessary burden that you are to have in your life. But it is far lighter and easier than the burden of sin that you will leave at the altar and that you will bury in water baptism. Hear me when I tell you it's just a necessary burden. But it is necessary. It is necessary. There's nothing here that is extra. We're not just trying to come up with things and load things on 
people all the time will ask the preacher, you know, do I have to do this or do I have to do that? Or, you know, well, first order, well, we want to know that what does the Bible teach? Let's go. Um, one of our pastors that we trained, he said that he was trying to, some woman started something, you know, and she's supposedly helping uh, pregnant, unwed, unwed young ladies. And, and uh, so she, she invited him to come and, and, and minister in, in this place she had, like a halfway house or whatever you want to call it. And so she went there. He went there, I mean, and uh, met with the group, and he began to teach them the Bible. Begin, he got a chart, and he began to teach them chapter and verse and teach them the plan of salvation and teach them about one God because that's what the Bible teaches. And so as he taught that, this woman was very, very uncomfortable, and her whole body language began to show that. And uh, so one day she asked uh, the pastor and his wife if they'd like to go out to lunch to talk a little bit. So... Um, and, of course, the, the, the young ladies loved the teaching. They were thrilled with, with everything that was being taught. So they go out to lunch, he and his wife and this woman, and uh, she began to say, well, you know, do you really have to be baptized? Is it really necessary to get the Holy Ghost? And, and, and that speaking in tongues, what about that? And, and you know, one God? And he said, when she would mention something, he'd say, well, the Bible says, and then she'd say another one, do you really have to, and the Bible says, and then she said, well, you have to get, the, the Bible says, and he said after about six or seven times that she finally, I don't care what the Bible says, just like that, right across the lunch table, in the restaurant. <laughs> and he said, and there we have the truth, have truth finally surfaced. Finally puked it up. Finally got it out. Feel better now? You know, you finally got honest about things here. And this individual came to Jesus, and Jesus said, You must be born again. You must be. Acts chapter 2, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, they weren't standing out there going, Hey, man, what shall we do? You know, okay? This was a cry from their heart. This is the universal cry, and God has a universal answer. It is the same for everybody, every race, every country, every nation, every dialect, every language, every individual. It doesn't matter where you're from, what your name is, what you got and what you don't have, how smart you think you are and how smart I know you're not. It does not make any difference whatsoever. It's the same straight across the board for everybody. It's a necessary burden. And then we got people that, you know, well, you know, it, it doesn't look too good or people get offended and, you know, all kinds of excuses. But all that is is hiding what you got in your heart and that something is failing, something is falling short here. You've got to, like the apostles of old, you've got to take that as a foundation and a pattern and a precedent, and you've got to look at it, and they said, we're not going to put upon you anything but what's necessary. We're the Holy Ghost and us. We're in agreement here. We're not trying to lay anything extra on you. What is being brought to you is what's going to save you, what's good for you, what will pull you out of the fire, what will save you from a 
lake of fire for all of eternity. What will place you on a street of gold in walls of jasper and gates of pearl? What will put you with him for all of eternity where there will be no sickness, no suffering, no death, no burden whatsoever? Oh, my friend, now is the time. You want to choose the easy burden. You want to choose the easy burden, the easy, necessary burden. He made it just as easy as he could, and it would save us. There's nothing too difficult about this necessary burden. You don't want to be ashamed. Who cares what somebody's flesh thinks? You've got to expect people, family members, you've got to expect people to take a contrary stance. They're going to get convicted. You come in with that bright light shining in your life because he has forgiven you and you've been baptized in his name and all your sins have been fully pardoned and you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost or are seeking for that gift. Man, you're, gonna, you're a different person. You're going to look different. You're going to shine and radiate his love and his light and his glory and it's not going to be fake and it's not going to be put on and it's not going to be phony you're going to be delivered they said you go tell these people that these are the necessary things that they need to do these are the things in their situation that they need to refrain and abstain from and you teach them these things but we're not adding nothing to the to the plan of salvation neither are we taking anything from the plan of salvation and they said into this agree the words of the prophet they pulled right back out of the word of God and brought it to the forefront and said we're going by chapter and verse. We're going by what Jesus taught us when he walked among us. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty and his glory. We're delivering unto you that which was first given unto us. And that's been handed down. It's a common faith and a common salvation, meaning it's for everybody. And we must earnestly contend for that. We don't want to let down not one little bit because you know what? One little bit leads to another little bit, leads to another little bit. Pretty soon you got a whole big bit. You got a whole lot. And you're putting baggage. You're putting weights. And the book said to lay that aside. Come on this morning. The necessary burden. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of the things that are built around him. He said, you come unto me and learn of me. Learn how I do it. Learn about my plan of salvation. Learn about my plan. Learn about the things that I've ordained and the things that must needs be in your life. Let's take a moment. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. It's a necessary burden. As senior pastor here, I would never put upon you anything that isn't necessary, deemed to be necessary. Chapter and verse, subject matter, Holy Ghost experience. Being judged is one by the grace of God to have been faithful and followed a faithful pastor. You come on now. You don't let the enemy put big questions in your heart. You don't let him cause you to deviate right and left and to back up and try to go around some way and circumvent things. You tell yourself, I'm going right straight down through the middle of this thing and I'm going to take this easy, necessary burden and I'm not going to be ashamed of anything that is attached to him in truth. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. You can get ashamed about things that people do that's not any part of the scripture. And you could stay away from that sure enough. But you want to stay 
with the Word of God. You want to stay with that chapter and verse. You don't want to be ashamed of shouting and dancing and praising and worship and a manner and style of cleanliness on the inside and the outside. You do not want to be ashamed. Not at all. This is a necessary burden. Only that we require. Only that the Word of God requires. We're praising Him now. Come on. Let's love Him together. The altar is open. I want you to come and repent. Men over here. Ladies over here. God, I'm sorry for my sinful lifestyle. I'm tired of the heavy weight and load that I'm carrying here. Tearing me up, Lord. I want that easy burden. I want to trade in this big old heavy thing. Weight of sin, load of sin. I want to get rid of it. I want to unload it at the altar. I want to tell you I'm sorry. I want to get away from it, Lord. Save me, Lord. What would you have me to do, Lord? Men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the free gift. Come on now. Come on now. Come on, Lord. Holy, holy. Holy Ghost. 